Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast. My name is Sam and I am your podcast host. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries, where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Ways that you can find us on social media, if you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast, you will find us there. On Instagram, our username is unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is unshakable underscore one. And that is the numerical value one. For ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, if you are listening this morning, let me be the first to say, welcome to the Unshakable Nation. For other ways, if you will just peruse through the website, you can see ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. But as we say during every episode, the most important way that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation is through your prayers. We covet your prayers greatly. Ask that you just continue to lift us up, praying that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, joining God where He is already at work, impacting the world one life at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We always want to take an opportunity during every episode to thank those who are giving in support of the show. If you wonder how you might be able to give in support of the show, if you will check right there in your member profile on the website, you will see two links that will take you to two different ways that you can give. If you are currently giving through PayPal, that is okay. You can continue to give that way. However, if you are new to giving, again, just click those links and it will take you to two different ways that you can give to the show. We do ask before you give that you prayerfully consider this. Go to God. We always want you to be obedient to giving where God is leading you to give and only where God is leading you to give. All right, guys, as we dive in this morning to get back to our topic, I just wanted to share that this will be the last episode of the year. I am going to be taking a hiatus, a sabbatical, going to just spend some time and some R&R with my family without having to get down here and in the studio and just record the podcast and just want to spend some time with them over the holidays and just take a break. And I will be back after the first of the year, starting 2022 fresh with some new material, but just wanted to let you guys know that this will be the last new episode of the year. But don't forget, you can always go over to the podcast page on the website, and we have over 100 episodes. If you have not caught up on each of those, please take the time to go back and just peruse through those, see if there's one that you might be interested in, and just click and just listen. So let's let's dive in this morning, guys. It's, as you know, we've been talking about the end times, end time prophecies, what that looks like, how that is applicable to the life of a Christ follower. In the current world situation, we have talked about so many things during this series, and over the past few weeks, we have been talking about uh, nationalism, Christian dominionism, statism, and I told you guys last week that I wanted to dig into one more part of Christian dominionism, and this is Christian dualism or Christian secularism, and I want to dig into this just to close out this series and really look at this and Again, as you guys know, I'm always trying to take us back to the biblical perspective on things as we go through this series. I'm not asking us to look at things from a worldly point of view. As we know and we've been discussing, we've been talking about that the scriptures tell us that we are of a different kingdom. We are not citizens of this world. Yes, we are in this world, but as Jesus says, we are not of this world. And we know that when Jesus says we are in this world, he is referring to location. 
When he says we are not of this world, he is referring to our state of mind, our point of view, our frame of thinking is not shaped and molded by this world. We don't think and operate as this world does. Why? Because we are not of this world. We are of a different kingdom. And Paul tells us that, that we are to set our minds on things above, not on the things of this world. This is specifically what Paul says, that we are citizens of heaven not citizens of this world. The scripture also tells us that we are strangers and sojourners or aliens in this world. And when we begin to think about those things and understand how that applies to the role that we have as Christ followers in this world, then we understand that everything begins to take a back seat to the role of the gospel. The gospel is preeminent. And I want to dig into that this morning as we, as as I said, as we close this subject out, close this topic out, and close this series out. I want to dig into Christian dualism and uh, or Christian secularism, pretty much the same thing, and, and what these this looks like and why it does not work within the faith of a Christ follower. First of all, this is a belief that Christians are citizens of both heaven and this world. And within this belief, there's a suggestion that infers God desires Christ followers to be secular activists in this world, whether it be voting, running for political office, protests or marches, active in the military, active in police. Now, I want to I want to pause right there, and I want us to understand what I'm saying. It infers this. It, this particular theology infers because there is no specific doctrine taught in Scripture that points out that we are to have any sort of secular activity when it comes to these things. Now, I have shared with some people over the the past several months when I'm referring to this stuff, because many of these people who know me know that I actually have a background in law enforcement. I served in law enforcement, but you have to understand there is a point where we come to understand things from a different perspective, from a different light. That though I did serve in law enforcement, and yes, I was a Christian at the time, I did not yet have the wisdom and the knowledge that I currently have. You know, and I've had a lot of people ask me that question or throw that up and say, well, didn't you serve, you know, as a law enforcement officer? And, you know, the answer to that is yes. But remember that there is a point in time where we are ignorant to certain things in, in terms of theological doctrine that is taught in Scripture. And we can also choose to be selectively ignorant. And to be quite honest with you, that is kind of where I was. As I've said many times, you know, my theology up until about two and a half, three years ago, my theology stood very much in the just war category. You know, I believed growing up in the church, Romans 13, that we were to support our government no matter what. And if that if they said that they that we were justified in going to war, that I was going to stand behind them. I have since come to understand the biblical text over this doctrine. And biblical text must always take precedence over what these theologies or certain doctrines teach. The text is our guide. It is what we are to obey. You know, and, and, and Scripture even tells, tells us, and, and Paul says this, that, you know, we, we should be encouraging people not to go beyond what is written. Let's go back and see what it says. And if we can't specifically find a directive in Scripture, then I must ask and I must question whether or not 
It is truly of God. It, it is truly of Christ. Now, this is not to take away individual growth in a person as the Spirit works in the life of a believer. Uh, Don't misunderstand me. I am not in any way judging someone who might believe differently because I believe that the Spirit works individually with each person and grows them to maturity in Christ, of which God continues to do in me. Am I fully mature? Absolutely not. God is still working in my heart and in my life on many, many, many different things. But on this specific topic, I feel like the Holy Spirit has brought me to maturity and a better understanding of what the text is teaching. Now, these ultimately, the, this belief ultimately is leading to a form of Christian order that imposes Christianity on society. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. In this belief, imposing Christianity is by way of legislation or rule of law rather than presentation of the gospel and making disciples. We talked about this. It's forcing and coercing people to live the way that you believe they should live. Now you think about that for a second. Do you want someone stepping into your life and ruling your life the way they think you ought to live? But this, in fact, is exactly what Christians are doing, what Christian dominionism, Christian dualism, Christian secularism, and statism and nationalism are doing. It is a way to enforce, impose the Christian perspective and point of view onto everyone. And this is not the way of the gospel. We don't present the gospel under force or compulsion. We present the gospel through love, mercy, and grace. This is what the Holy Spirit tells us. This is, this is what the Scripture teaches us. We present the gospel the same way the gospel was presented to us. Jesus doesn't force or coerce us or compel us under force to obey or be obedient to the gospel. No, God allows, Christ allows free will under the presentation of the gospel for us to either choose it or reject it. He doesn't impose his will on us. But that's exactly what what Christians are trying to do. It assumes the presence of morality equates to Christianity. And it has led to more of a false sense of hope that one can be a Christian through morality. I mean, look at the church today. Look at the people who profess to be believers today. How many times have you sat down with someone and asked them if they have a relationship with Jesus? Or, you know, one of those big questions that people like to ask is, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? Have you ever listened to some of their responses is, well, I I believe I would spend it in heaven. I'm, I'm a good person. Because they believe morality equates to Christianity. And that is the fault of the church in and of itself is because this is exactly what we're doing. We're giving people a false sense of hope in believing that morality equates to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is false. You know, just by being a good person, one has obtained spirituality. This is what we're teaching them. But what it lacks is the teaching of true spiritual discipline. These people think that they're good people, they're a good person, and that that equates to a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they have zero spiritual discipline. And the Bible teaches death to self, to the world, worship in spirit and truth, prayer without ceasing, fasting, 
guarding the deposit that's trusted to you, caring for the poor, the widows, and the orphans. This is what Scripture considers to be a Christ follower. But dualism and secularism lean to the fact that someone who attends church regularly knows the lingo and publicly makes a stand through voting or political activism is in fact a Christian regardless of how they live their daily lives. That is a false sense of hope. That is giving someone this feeling that somehow because they are doing good things that they somehow are going to get into eternity. And a majority of Western American believers quote the U.S. Constitution as follows. Freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. It's quite the idiom, don't you think? The truth is they say this all the time, but it's not what they truly believe. Now, now listen, they, they state this all the time. Freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. But you understand the Constitution of the United States allows each person the individual liberty to choose which religion they want to follow or if they choose not to follow any type of religion or spirituality. That's what the U.S. Constitution guarantees. That means that technically they should not be forced under compulsion or coerced to live under your faith and your spirituality. But that's exactly what, as, as Western Christians do, Western American Christians do, by going to the voting booth, they vote for someone who lines up the, the, the closest with their faith and their belief in order that these people might impose the principle of Christianity on everyone else. So it's, their way of presenting the gospel under force of coercion, and this is not presenting the gospel. This is not how Christians are to interact with society. Not now, not ever. I mean, Jesus was our prime example, our perfect example, the one that we are to look to as being our leader, as being our Lord. He showed us how we are to interact with society through love and through grace, through mercy and through forgiveness, not through force and compulsion and laws and legislation forcing people to live the way we think they should live. They don't really want the church and the state to be separate unless the state is attempting to separate the two. They ultimately want the church to rule the state. Let me, let me say that again. These people, the, the, the dualist and the secularist, within the Christian faith, they don't really want the church and the state to be separate unless the state is attempting to separate the two. They ultimately want the church to rule the state. That's what they want. You see, when, when the state steps in, and we've seen this through the news over, over the years where someone wears something with a religious symbol to school or blah, 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 you know, wherever you want to go with that, we've seen the stories in the news. And all of a sudden we want, we want the, you know, the church steps in and says, no, 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 we, this is your separation of church and state. 
And, and then they step in and say, no, it's, it's freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. Now, where I stand on this issue doesn't matter. What, what matters is, is what, how are we to be active in the life of those that we come in contact with? How are we to carry the gospel to those we come in contact with? And I will tell you this, and I, I've tried to explain this to so many people over the last three years, that do you realize the damage that you do to the gospel when you try to force someone by rule of law to come under the principles of Christianity? You ruin opportunities to share the gospel. It's that divisiveness that we talked about. Most professed believers in the U.S. truly believe when voting or serving in government, they are to impose their beliefs and views on others by force. For that matter, a majority of professed believers feel the need to impose their point of view on everyone. Most of the time, this comes by way of judgment. If someone doesn't act or speak the way we think they should, we distance ourselves and create division. It's that the us versus them mentality. And by doing this, we totally miss the call placed on our lives, which is us go to them. It's not us versus them. It's us go to them. If you truly want to be a standout, try doing what Jesus did. Eat with sinners and tax collectors. Well, the religious crowd went crazy. They went bananas. Because Jesus was eating with the sinners and tax collectors. He was teaching us something. We are to love everyone. We're not to pass judgment on anyone. It's never us versus them, but it is always us go to them. If you want to know what judgment feels like, try living like Jesus and watch how quickly the church turns on you. Do something outside the box like being more kingdom focused rather than focused on the things of this world. Try loving your enemy rather than supporting a war that kills them. Try seeking peace above division. Try building relationships with people who don't believe like you. Try turning the other cheek. Try humility rather than hostility. If you want to speak truth into someone's life, you must first become a part of their life, doing life with them. You can't stand on the outside of someone's life, point a finger at them, and tell them how they are supposed to live without ever understanding who they are. You do life with them and beside them. Show them that you love them. Show them that you care for them. Be sympathetic for them. Pray for them. Do for them. And eventually, an opportunity will open itself up for you to be able to share why you are different. Because people will see that. Wait, wait, you're a, you're a Christian and you're, you're okay to do these things for me? But, but everybody else looks down on me. Everybody else judges me. See, that's the problem with the church. 
That's the problem with a lot of people in the church. They spend more time looking down their nose at people rather than getting down and washing the feet of these people. It reminds me of the parable that Jesus told of the the Pharisee and the tax collector who go up to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee goes into the temple to pray and the tax collector won't even go in. And he gets down on his knees and he beats his chest. Forgive me, God, a sinner. And then the Pharisee, here he is in the temple and he's saying, thank you, God, that I'm not like this man over here that's praying. Thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector. And Jesus says, which one do you think went away justified? You see, most of the people within the Christian faith today, the professed believers today, live a life like the Pharisee going into their Sunday morning temples, thanking God that they're not like all these other people, rather than going to these other people. They live the life of us versus them rather than the life of us going to them. This is the way. Doing life with people, this is the way. Instead of playing an active role in things of this world that cause division, be like Jesus and meet people where they are. You want to be like Jesus? Treat people how Jesus treats you, with love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. If Jesus doesn't force or coerce you to live the way he desires for you to live, what makes you think you sit in a place to force others? And let's be honest, we can't even get it right. Yet we want to impose it on others in hopes they will? The ways of Christ are foolishness to the world because they don't know him personally. It is our job and our responsibility as his followers to introduce them to him. Let him do the convicting. Let him do the changing. The problem is, is these people, they they only see those who profess to know him actively living contrary to what they claim to believe, living without the conviction they profess. They see the judgment and condemnation from those who profess Christ. What they don't see is humility, love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. It's no wonder they reject Christ and don't want to hear about Him when they see His followers don't live according to their own professed convictions. We have damaged the influence of the gospel, but we can make it right. We've got to repent and go back to the basic principles of the faith. What are some of these basic principles? Jesus is the only way. Now I want you to hear number two loud and clear. The gospel alone has saving power. The gospel alone. You don't have saving power. Your rules, your regulations, your laws don't have saving power. The gospel alone has saving power. What did Jesus tell the disciples? He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What are the keys? The gospel. The gospel is the key to the kingdom. Remember this, love never fails. 
It's the greatest of all. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Show love towards others the way Jesus showed and still shows you love. And remember, the Great Commission is our mission. Now, I would be remiss if I did not close out this year by sharing the gospel and talking about why Jesus is so critical, why Jesus is so important, why Jesus is the most important character in the history of mankind. The last year, I closed out the, the year with a series called The Son of Promise. And if you did not get a chance to listen to it, I, I do encourage you to go back and listen to that. But I want to share the gospel of hope with you right now. You see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten. You see, God knew what was coming. And He created a plan. Not a plan B or, oops, we got to do something. No, the gospel wasn't a secondary plan. The gospel was always the plan. Before the world was created, God's plan was established to redeem a fallen mankind. And what does this mean for us? And listen, this is, this is the God who created us. The God of the universe. Who before we even became hopeless, gave us hope because he had already written the story of Jesus Christ. Before we even knew about our enemy, God already destroyed him through the plan of the gospel. The God who created us, already knowing we would turn on him, made himself the only sacrifice that could pay the debt and reconcile us to him. Not only did God create a plan where he was the lamb, where he himself was the sacrifice for our sin debt, but God knowing that we would turn our backs on him and reject him, God still knowing this, proceeded forward with the plan. He still wrote you into his story. That's how important you are to Him. That's how much He loves you. He loves you enough to, even though He knows everything that you're ever going to do to turn your back on Him, He still wrote you into His story and provided a way out through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Why? is sharing the gospel preeminent over all things in the life of a believer. Because Christ is preeminent over all things and the only solution to all things. God.
We love you. Abba, Father, thank you. That being all-knowing and knowing, God, that we would reject you, that we would turn our backs on you, God, you still, before that even happened, made a plan to reconcile us. God, you sacrificed yourself. You made yourself the lamb that would take away the sin of the world. Jesus, you stepped away from the throne and did not even consider yourself to be God, but you took on the form of a servant and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Oh, Jesus, let us have this mind, which was also in you, that we would become nothing, that we would become servants of those we come in contact with, that we would get rid of this mentality of us versus them, and instead, it would be us going to them as you left your throne and came to us. It was never you versus us. It was you coming to save us. Let us have this mind. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts where they need convicting. Change our hearts. Flip our script. Turn our worlds upside down. Reveal the truth to us. Let us have open ears and open hearts and eyes to see the truth that we would test every spirit that we come in contact with. We would compare it to what is written, the directives we have in Scripture, and if they don't line up, we would reject it as being not of God. God, in all things, we will give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Christ's name. Hey guys, I love you. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. And until 2022, remain unshakable.